This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Home foreclosures are a growing problem in America. They can even become a crime magnet. What can you do to limit the problem in your neighborhood? The best thing to do when you see a vacant property is to first contact your municipality. Many municipalities keep a vacant property registry to make sure that those properties are kept up to code. Then, an education expert says schools don't teach kids the strategies for efficient learning. Her comments may surprise you. Skills that teach students how to apply strategies to their learning on their own. So they're strategies that students are initiating, and they allow them to learn strategically. We'll have those two stories, and a lot more, coming up on this week's edition of InfoTrack. Stay with us. Our program gets underway right after this. InfoTrack. The weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. With the foreclosure crisis and a big downturn in the housing market, a growing problem is affecting our suburbs. What to do about vacant homes? They can be an eyesore, a danger to others, even a crime magnet. Here to discuss this and what we can do about it is Tom Feltner. He's vice president of the nonprofit Woodstock Institute in Chicago, and the Woodstock Institute researches and promotes policy issues relating to fair lending, wealth creation, and financial reform. Tom, your organization tracks foreclosures in the Chicago region, but these issues apply to the entire nation. And I think everybody's concerned about the increasing numbers of foreclosures, but you focus on the problems that communities have to face in the aftermath of a foreclosure. Certainly. Our concern is, what is the effect of vacant properties that are caused by this foreclosure? We look at a number of indicators of vacancy, and one of the things that we've seen is that foreclosure is really driving vacant properties here in the region. And when a house goes through foreclosure, can people typically stay in the house? What's the process? Well, you know, during the foreclosure process, there's really two types of outcomes. In some cases, we see families staying in their home, attempting to resolve their delinquent mortgage, and then ultimately get back on track. Unfortunately, a second type of property is where the borrowers typically leave the property, and that property is vacant during the foreclosure process and then afterwards. And these properties can remain vacant for quite a while and kind of fall down or become eyesores, correct? Maintenance issues are definitely a problem with foreclosure-related vacant properties, and that's one of the reasons why Woodstock Institute and other organizations have pushed for a vacant properties registry as well as an early warning system to identify those vacant properties before they become an eyesore. When a house becomes foreclosed on, at that point, who is responsible for maintaining the house? Is it the bank, or is there anyone? That's definitely a point of contention, and I think one of the things that we've seen is those second type of properties, those vacant properties where a foreclosure has not yet been completed. There's been a lot of question around who is ultimately responsible for maintaining that property. We're talking with Tom Feltner, vice president of the nonprofit Woodstock Institute in Chicago, talking about the problem of vacant properties due to the foreclosure crisis. Tom, if I live on a street and there is a vacant home and it's crumbling, or if I see, you know, perhaps even homeless people trying to get in there, is there anything I can do? 
The best thing to do when you see a vacant property is to first contact your municipality. Many municipalities keep a vacant property registry to make sure that they are able to track which properties are vacant and make sure that those properties are kept up to code. But there's also a number of other ways that properties can be identified as vacant, and that could be through local utilities, shutting off utilities, or as well as mail being forwarded or rejected by the U.S. Postal Service. And, of course, with the utilities, you get into uh, issues in certain areas of pipes freezing and perhaps just severe problems with the properties. Certainly, the interior condition of the property declines very quickly when a property is vacant. That's why it's so important that either the borrower stay in the home. That's why we encourage lenders to work with borrowers to the greatest extent possible to make sure that those homes never go vacant in the first place, because that's ultimately the best way to keep properties in good condition. Speaking of the vacant property registration, what are the advantages of a property being on that list? Well, I think that there's two advantages. One, it allows municipalities to track the number of vacant properties because you can't address the vacant property crisis until you know the extent of that crisis. Having an understanding of the number of vacant properties that are within a municipality is one of the best reasons to keep a vacant property registry. The other is to make sure that the owners of those properties have some sort of incentive to get them back into productive use. When you attach fines for failing to maintain properties, when you attach registration fees for keeping properties on that vacant property registry, what you're doing is creating incentives to get those properties occupied, to make sure that those properties either never become vacant in the first place or get back into productive use as quickly as possible. Is it legitimate for a neighbor to perhaps take over mowing the lawn or something, taking the handbills off the front door of a vacant home, or is that really crossing a legal line? You know, I think when a property is vacant, it's obviously going to be the call of the neighbor. In many cases, it's very difficult for municipalities to absorb a lot of that responsibility. It's very expensive to take care of a vacant property. A recent analysis of the costs associated with maintaining a vacant property that's abandoned before the foreclosure completed in the city of Chicago is around $19,000. So for smaller municipalities that may not have you know, a substantial budget or a dedicated staff to deal with these issues, having even as many as a dozen vacant properties may be you know, a significant hit to cut the capacity of that municipality. So we have seen cases where neighbors have stepped up, taken care of the lawn, removed handbills. Tom, you have your fingertips on the research and all of this information. What do you see down the road for all of these properties? Obviously, it's going to be very difficult for them to be absorbed back into the occupied housing stock. What's down the road, do you think? Well, I think the problem of what to do with the existing stock of vacant properties is a great question. There's been proposals floated at the federal level to get those properties back online as rental properties. Several servicers have proposed donating those properties to a nonprofit along with money to either rehab those properties or get them demolished. Because I think for many of those properties that are extremely low value, ultimately demolition is going to be the best possible outcome. If the economy should come roaring back, do you see that perhaps the situation could reverse itself? I think the best way to get many of these properties back into productive use is to generate a pipeline of new homeowners. Many of these homes are vacant because there are no longer homeowners living there. So the best way to get homeowners qualified for mortgages is to make sure there's stable employment, to make sure there's access to affordable prime housing finance so we don't end up with the kinds of toxic loans in communities that we had at the beginning of the financial crisis. Obviously, you know, there's a saying that everything is for sale at the right price, and I suppose if housing prices drop enough, these vacant properties may end up being purchased. 
I think that for many properties, particularly ones that are well-constructed in desirable communities, I think that those are going to preserve a lot of value. But what we're seeing is properties that are extremely low value. I'm talking $20,000, $30,000 properties where the insides are uninhabitable. So these are ultimately properties where you're looking at the issue of what is the value of the underlying land. With extremely low value properties, particularly you know when you hear properties for sale online for a dollar, for a hundred dollars, for a thousand dollars, there's going to be a lot of baggage that comes along with those properties. Whether or not there's a clear title to those properties, whether or not there's significant tax liens on those properties, you know there are going to be issues and costs to any new owner who buys one of those very low value properties. Tom Feltner, vice president of the nonprofit Woodstock Institute in Chicago. You can visit them online at woodstockinst.org. Tom, thanks again. I appreciate your time, Chris. Thank you. Next, an expert says school kids don't know how to learn. The eye-opening interview is straight ahead. Stay with us. There's more InfoTrack coming up. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.